seven statements that Jesus made on the cross. And so that was, that was a, um, we, we had a lot of fun with approaching it that way. And so when we did that, though, what we did was we took a break, of course, from what we've typically been doing in here on Sunday mornings. And what we've been typically doing on Sunday mornings is we're in the middle of a verse-by-verse study of the book of 1 Thessalonians. And so we're just taking it as it comes, verse-by-verse and line-by-line and and word by word, but, but, but I'm excited for us. I'm excited this morning as we dive back into that, as we get back into the flow of 1 Thessalonians. So, so as, as we do, what, what I, we're, we're about to, as we dive back into this study, what we're about to do is we're, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for us. I'm going to pray for the message. But I, what I want us to do specifically this morning is, is, is I want to ask us to to pray something similar to the cry of David's heart that we see in Psalm 28 and verse 1. In Psalm 28 and verse 1, as as we're beginning, David says, Unto thee will I cry, O Lord my rock. Be not silent unto me, lest if thou be silent unto me, I become like them that go down into the pit. Will you pray that to the Lord this morning as, as we begin? Pray to the Lord that he wouldn't be silent to you this morning. If he's silent, we become like those that are going to be eternally separated from him. And as we as we as believers, we should be hearing God's voice through his word. So as we pray, would you would you ask God to not be silent to you this morning? Let's pray as we begin. Jesus, we just that's the that's the cry of our heart. God is that we want to hear from you today. Would you not be silent? Could we hear from you, God, as we desire so, we desire so greatly to open your word and, and to expose the truth that is there, God? And that truth is the truth that holds the keys to eternal life, and it has the, the truth that can change lives eternally. And God, I just pray that that's what's going to happen in people's hearts and lives this morning. May we not just file in but right now even as i'm praying may we all be praying that we would just hone in god and ask you to not be silent we want to hear from you and we love you god we thank you that you first loved us in jesus name amen Amen. two weeks ago we we took some time to to look at who we were and we took some time to look at who we now are from first thessalonians in uh, chapter 5, because 1 Thessalonians 5, 5, it teaches us that we're children of the light and children of the day. We're not of the night nor of the darkness. And, And it's very important that we're reminded of exactly who we aren't and who we are now that we're a believer in Jesus Christ. We, we've seen recently in previous weeks from chapter 5 that that it's, that it's also important that we understand the times and the seasons that we're living in. And it's, it's important that we understand perfectly that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. We've been, we've been seeing that. And as important as that is and it, that we get those things down, chapter 5 is also teaching us that it's also important that we understand in the midst of that who we aren't and who we are. Yeah, we need to know what time it is. We need to be reminded of that and and of what's happening in the future. But it's also vitally important that we know who we aren't 
in who we are. And that's what the, this passage has been teaching us. Listen, we aren't children of the darkness anymore. We're, we're not children of the night anymore. But who are we? We're children of the light, and now we're children of the day. We, we, we used to be children of darkness and children of the night, but now we're children of the light, and we're children of the day. And that's so huge because that means that we're children of God and that God is our Father. And if we don't get that, we're going to miss the heart of this whole chapter in this whole passage understanding future events and understanding all the stuff that's going to transpire in the end times, man, that is great. But to get to the heart of what should really motivate us is understanding who we are now that we're members of God's family and we're a child of God and the child of the day and a child of the light. And being a part of God's spiritual family, man, that's extremely significant and that should affect how we live our lives. We, we even understand this with our physical families, don't we? Your parents may have said, or you may have said before to your kids, something like, hey, trotters don't act like that, right? Debrills don't act like that. Well, maybe they do. I don't know. No, it's good. <laughs> the brills don't act like that. Tailors don't act like that. We, we've, we've said things like that before. And the reason we sometimes say stuff like that is, is because it's innate. It's ingrained in us that, that our family matters. And when you're a part of a family and, you're, and you aren't living in a manner that's pleasing to the Lord, you hurt the whole family. And in this passage, God's reminding us of whose family we're a part of now. We're a part of God's family, and, and God is our Father, and we are His children, and, and that's an extremely special relationship that we now share with God, and He wants to remind us of who we are now so that we act like it, so that we don't just live in the light, but that we walk in the light. That, that's why verse 6 of chapter 5, it begins with the word, therefore... And then goes on to tell us how we should live as a result of this. Look at it with me, but start in verse 5. Check this out. It says, Ye are all the children of the light and children of the day. We're not of the night nor of the darkness. Verse 6. Therefore, and those of you who have been around here for a while know what I'm about to say because you've heard Corey say it, and now you get the privilege of hearing me say it. Anytime you see the word therefore, we need to look and see what it's there for. Because what it's doing is it's pointing us what we need to be doing as a result of the truth laid out in the previous verses. Therefore, in other words, because you're a child of, of the light and, and children of the day, or because of who you are now in Christ, let us not sleep as, as do others, but let us watch and be sober, verse 7, for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. That's what our lives should look like because of who we are now. Paul lays out this, this contrast for us to help explain it. If you've noticed, he's been contrasting these different ideas for a few verses now light and darkness, day 
and night. And he continues down that path and he says, because we're children of the light and day, not children of the night and darkness, we shouldn't sleep, but we should watch. So he contrasts sleeping and he contrasts watching. And he says, because we're children of the light and day, not children of the night and darkness, we, we shouldn't be drunk, we should be sober. Because of the radical and drastic change that occurred when we changed families, there ought to also be a radical and drastic change in our lives. And we need to remember just how radical and drastic it really was when we changed families. We hadn't simply just lost our way a little bit. It's that we were actually in Satan's family. We were children of the night and children of of the darkness and we saw two weeks ago that according to john 8 44 satan was our father and we were his children wow ephesians 2 3 it, it says that we were the children of wrath before salvation through jesus christ we were in the wrong family y'all acts 26 18 says that our eyes were blinded we were in darkness and we were under the power of satan and most people don't realize that. They just think, well, one day I asked Jesus to, to save me from my sins, but before that I, I wasn't really that bad off. I mean, I hadn't done that many horrible things in my life when you compare it to what everybody else has done that I know. And they don't realize that regardless of whether or not that's true, we were children of the devil, Satan was our father, we were children of wrath, and we were blinded in darkness and under the power of darkness, under Satan's power. But other than that, we were in pretty good shape. But, but when we understand who we were and how bad off we were, it helps us understand and appreciate who we are now. Because now, according to Ephesians 3.15, now we're a part of God's family now. 2 Thessalonians 2.16 says, now God is our Father now. Romans 5.9 says that we're now saved from the wrath to come. We're not children of wrath. We've been saved from the wrath to come now. And what's happened is, is we've been pulled out of the grasp of one family. And, and we've been brought into the loving arms of another family. We, we got a new father and we got a new family and now that we're a part of God's family and we're his children, that's who we are now, it ought to cause a difference in our lives. The change in families that we experienced, again, it was drastic and it's radical, and that change in our lives should reflect the same exact thing. There should be a difference because of who we are now. And two weeks ago, we looked at some of the differences that we should have as we compared Scripture with Scripture and just looked at some of those differences between darkness and, and, and light. But this morning, we're going to see some of the ways our lives are to be different straight from this passage that we're studying that we read just a few minutes ago in First Thessalonians. And so the first thing I want us to see this morning is because we're children of the day and of the light, not of the night and darkness, we shouldn't sleep. Because we're children of the day and of the light, not of the night and darkness, we shouldn't sleep. Look again at 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, and 7. Again, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. So, so we're starting about 
So we're starting off and we're looking at the fact that we're not to sleep. Okay, And the, these verses reference there are, there are things that go on in the night that aren't typically going on in the day. Let's just take any given day at 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. and we, 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 2 or 3 a.m. in the morning. We say in the morning, but it's the middle of the night, but you know what I mean. What, what, are, what are most people doing at 2 or 3 a, at 2 or 3 a.m.? That, that's right. Now, Corey's starting his day. But again, normal people are, are sleeping. <laughs> About 90% of them are sleeping. And what are the other 10% doing? They're, they're, they're sipping on a little something. And it ain't water. They're, they're drinking, aren't they? That, that's what's going on. Those are the two main things that go on in the middle of the night. And, and what Paul's trying to get us to see is, is that the age that we're living in is a spiritual nighttime. We, we've talked about that. I want to make sure you understand it. We, 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 uh, you should remember that in John 9, 5, Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. Are you listening to that? As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So when Jesus was on this planet, the sun was up and it was daytime. But we crucified him. He rose again and he ascended back to heaven and the light of the world left and and so it became night it, it became nighttime now remember in the second coming at, at the second coming that the sun's coming back up isn't it malachi 4 2 it says he's, he's called the capital s-u-n son of righteousness and it's not a typo in the son of righteousness will arise and it will be the day of the Lord, but right now, biblically, understand something. It's nighttime now. Jesus left and it became nighttime. And just like in creation, though the though the moon doesn't have any light of its own, it reflects the light of the sun at nighttime. That that's what we're here doing. We're doing the exact same thing. We don't have any light of our own. We're re, we're reflecting the light of the sun to a world that is in desperate need of light because they're in darkness. Philippians 2.15 says we shine as lights in the world. We're the only light that they've got, but that light isn't our own. We're reflecting God's light to the world. But understand, biblically, right now, the time we're living in is nighttime. And because it's nighttime, we especially have to be careful that we don't fall asleep and that we don't get drunk. <laughs> And we'll, and we'll talk about the drunk thing next week. Right now we're talking about sleep. Okay? And, and clearly the Bible isn't implying that, you know, we all need to put toothpicks in our, in our eyelids so we can stay awake for the rest of our lives. Right? That, that's, that's, that's not what he's saying. He's using these words to represent the dangers to the church in the nighttime. In the dangers that we face, not just as a church, but the dangers that we face as individuals. And the Bible says a problem you're going to face and what you're going to be prone to is being asleep. If we, if, we, if, we, if we just took a look at what we would consider to be fundamental Bible-believing churches, 
you know what we'd find if we just started bouncing around to different churches that fit that description around the country and the world? We'd find that there are people that file in and show up on Sundays, but they're not moving and they're not doing anything because they're asleep. They're not discipling and teaching others. They're not being discipled so that they can teach others. They're not sharing the gospel with their friends, their neighbors, and their coworkers. And it's because they're asleep. And please don't think that it's just all those other, you're right, all those other churches out there, you know, they're struggling with sleeping in the nighttime that we're living in. We need to evaluate and make sure and look in the mirror that we're not sleeping too. Because let's face it, when it's dark out, it's easy to fall asleep, isn't it? And it's real dark, y'all. And you know what one of the things is about sleeping? Most people sleep once they've gotten comfortable. I know some of you guys can sleep anywhere, and, and you've proved it by the way you sleep sitting up while I preach. <laughs> but though some of you might have some narcoleptic tendencies, I love you still. Most people can only sleep once they've gotten comfortable. And you, know, and you know why it's sometimes hard to get out of bed and wake up after you've fallen asleep? What'd you used to say, especially as a teenager? I don't want to get up, I'm just so comfortable. Right? And that, 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 I still do that every once in a while. Baby screaming, oh, but I'm so comfortable. Right? That, that, that's what we say. And, and, and I'm afraid that many, if not most of us, find ourselves sleeping in this nighttime that we're living in because we're just so comfortable when we're supposed to be out there shining as lights to the world. Because you know what it takes to wake up and to start shining as lights in the world? It's going to take us getting a little uncomfortable. It's going to take us getting out of our comfort zone. I don't want to disciple or be discipled because I, it, it might be uncomfortable or awkward. I'm not comfortable opening up. I'm not comfortable teaching others because I'm not sure if I'm going to be good at it. I'm not comfortable sharing my faith because I think that they might think that I'm weird if I do that. I, I, I'm not comfortable sharing my faith because they might think I'm a religious nut job or something like that. And God's trying to tell us, I know you're all nestled in and comfortable while you sleep, but it's high time you wake up and do something. And that's going to take getting out of our comfort zone. And I'm hoping all of us are asking ourselves this morning, man, is that, is that me? Is that, am I asleep? Because here, here's, how, here's how it works. When you're asleep, you're not consciously aware that you're asleep. You don't even realize it at first, do you? And then someone comes along in your life, or you're sitting in a service like this, and your alarm clock's going off, eh, 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 and you're like, whoa, whoa, I was asleep. And I think what God's wanting to do this morning is to sound his alarm clock so that we can hear it and so that we can wake up. Now, for a lot of us, the alarm clock has been sounding for a long, long time. In fact, it's been going off so long, we've started to ignore it. 
Have you ever done that with your alarm clock in the morning? That thing just becomes a part of your sleep, you know? Or maybe you, 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 some of you may come into a service like this and the alarm is, is, is sounding and, 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 it's, and it's alerting you. Hey, you're asleep. It's high time that you, that you wake up. And while you're in the service, you start coming to and you start waking up and, and, and you start realizing that spiritually you're sleeping through life. But then as soon as you walk out of those doors back there, you hit that snooze. And what happens after you hit snooze? You always fall back asleep. And week after week, some of us come in here and the alarm is sounding once again and we start to wake up from our slumber. But then as soon as we walk out of those doors, we hit snooze and go back to sleep and it's like it never even happened. But the hour is late and it's time for us to wake up and stay awake. Ephesians 5.14, it says, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Romans 13, 11 says it like this. And that knowing the time, remember we're to understand the times and seasons perfectly, and we understand it's nighttime. Un knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Because the, 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 because the culmination of our salvation, when we, when we receive our, our new bodies and meet Jesus in the sky, because it's closer and closer and understanding that, and understanding we're in a spiritual nighttime, it should cause us to wake up from our sleep. But, but, it, but it's not simply that, that we should wake up. If we're asleep, then, then waking up is definitely necessary, but... But what our passage in 1 Thessalonians contrasts the commandment to not sleep with is not simply waking up. But this, this passage contrasts not sleeping with something else. Do you remember what it was? It says we shouldn't sleep, but we should watch. Not just stay awake, we should, we should watch. Number two, because we're of the day and of the light, not of the night and of the darkness, we should watch. We should watch. That, that, that's what verse 6 of chapter 5 says. Look at it again. Let us not sleep as, as do others, but let us watch. So, so we, we, we've seen that God wants us to awake out of sleep, and, and that's certainly a necessary requirement if we're asleep. But this verse is taking it further than that, because it's, it's not just that we're to wake up. It's that, we're to, it's that we're to watch. And we're not just to wake up and, and, and sit there. We're, we're not to sleep, but instead, we're to be watching. Have you ever noticed that it's a lot harder to fall asleep when you're doing something? <laughs> so, so, so we're to be watching, but what are we to be watching for exactly? Are, are, we, are we just watching the, the birds fly by and watching the grass grow and the and the cars whiz by, is that what God wants us to, to watch instead of sleep? Or is there something maybe more spiritual and more specific than that? And, and as we study the Bible, we, we see there are, are different specific things that the Bible teaches us that we're to be watching for. 
And the first thing I want us to see that the Bible teaches us as we compare Scripture with Scripture to be watching for is letter A, to watch for Satan. Watch for Satan. 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. The word vigilant literally means to stay awake or watch. Vigilant, it, it, it comes from the same word that our King James translators translated as watch in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 that we're studying. We need to be sober and watch because the devil is our adversary. He's our enemy. He's, he's our opponent. And he's walking around actively seeking, who can I devour? Who's ripe for the taking? He wants to devour us. He wants to swallow us up. And who is it that he's going to devour? <clears throat> the ones that aren't being vigilant and watching. Satan hates us. He wants to swallow us whole. And he'd love nothing more than to come upon an easy target laying there asleep. What more easy target can there possibly be? And just swallow us up. And, and he wants to keep us. Despite the fact that we've already seen that we're in the light, he wants to keep us with our eyes closed and asleep so that we'll be in the dark. We're in the light now. But like 1 John 1, 7 says, we need to now walk in that light. A couple of weeks ago, I told you guys, the only way that now that we're saved, that, that you can, we can now live in the light as a child of the day and to be in darkness is if we willfully close our own eyes. But what happens when we close our own eyes? After a while, we fall asleep, don't we? And God's showing us, don't close your eyes and fall asleep on me. You've got to watch or the devil will swallow you up while you're laying there asleep. And he, and, he, and he has ways to tempt us and get our lives so turned upside down that it will render us useless for the work of the Lord. That's why we have to watch. And, and that leads us to something else that the Bible shows us that we need to watch for. We, need, we also need to watch for temptation. We need to watch... For temptation, I want you guys to, to think back with me to the time where Jesus is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the night before the crucifixion, and, and this is the night where Peter is about to be tempted beyond anything that Peter has ever been tempted before in his life. In fact, Luke twenty two thirty one. have you ever noticed what it says? It says, Jesus has already warned Peter that Satan desired to sift him like wheat. And, and we know that ultimately Peter denied knowing Jesus three times in the midst of that temptation. But when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is praying. He keeps finding the disciples asleep. And in Mark chapter 14 and verse 37, it says this, and he cometh, that's Jesus, and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray. Why? Lest ye enter into temptation. And, and, and what we can see here about the warnings to Peter from Jesus is, is if we don't watch, we're going to be prone to enter into or fall into 
temptation. But what are we watching for exactly when we're watching for temptation or watching so that we don't fall into temptation? And I think the answer to that question on some level may be different for each of us. Because the answer to that question is directly connected to what our areas of weakness are. And we need to know what those areas of weakness are. We, we know that generally speaking, all of our weaknesses have to do with 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16. It has to do with all that is in the world. The, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And, and, and it says that those three things... Those three things, they're of the world. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 calls Satan the God of this world, doesn't he? And the way it works is, is that Satan, the God of this world, is working in conjunction with all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Now, for some of us, there may be certain temptations in your life that you could put right in front of your nose and you wouldn't even flinch. It wouldn't even be that tempting or inviting. There may be some things like that. But though there may be some things like that, there are usually other things that if you put in front of that same person's face or nose would actually be tempting or inviting. And as I say that, there's probably things coming into your mind that, because most of us are aware on some level as what those things are for us. Now, for some of us, we struggle with the same junk over and over and we just find ourselves consistently gossiping and justifying in our minds why it's really not gossip we consistently find ourselves offended even though the bible teaches us that nothing will offend those that love his word we consistently find ourselves lusting and then confessing only to do it again 15 minutes later we consistently find ourselves lashing out and then rationalizing why it was okay we consistently find ourselves bitter and unforgiving despite the fact that we've been commanded to forgive the same way we've been forgiven. And you know what? It's almost like we're asleep. We may be saved, but somewhere along the line we fell asleep. But it's important that we recognize and identify our weaknesses and know what those things are because you can bet the enemy knows what they are. You can bet our adversary that we just talked about that's walking around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, you can bet you he knows. And you don't think he's trying to hit you where you're weak. You think he's that dumb? You guys ever watch Mike Tyson back in the day? This dude was a beast. He was. He was unbelievable. You don't think that once he saw that swollen eye and bleeding eye... You think he said, oh, I already got him there. I won't hit him there anymore. I'll go somewhere else. Or you think he's kept going for that weak spot. Boom. Boom. And if he could, that's right. If he couldn't get you there, he'd bite your ear off. One way or the other, you're going down. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but our adversary, he can see from our lives where our weak spots are. So it's important that we know what they are. Ephesians 6.13 it's got a, it says something very interesting to me. It, says, it talks about withstanding the devil or temptation in the evil day. You ever thought about what that means? 
Each day on this earth has plenty of evil, right? But there's clearly something especially evil about the evil day. And I believe I know what it is. What's happening in the evil day is, is Satan has everything lined up for you just right for you to fall where you're weak. The stage is set just right. He's got you going through all the perfect things. You're feeling all the perfect emotions. You're in the perfect place to fall where you're weak. And that culminates into one place in time to make the evil day where the stage is set for him to take you down. We need to know our weaknesses because there's an evil day coming and Satan's going to try to exploit our weaknesses and if we know our weaknesses, we can better defend against wherever we find ourselves weak. We do what David prescribes in Psalm 119 and verse 11 that we may have even memorized as a kid. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. Man, it keeps coming back to those simple things, doesn't it? We hide God's word in our heart so we won't sin against him. Isn't that the example that even Jesus gave us when he was being tempted by Satan in the wilderness? You remember how Jesus responds to Satan all three times that Satan tempts him in the wilderness? Matthew chapter 4, verses 4, 7, and 10. Every time Satan tempts Jesus, he says, It is written, it is written, it is written. Jesus had scripture to combat every single temptation that he was faced with if you find yourself with a consistent struggle in your life have you ever hidden god's word in your heart and memorized scripture to help combat whatever it is that you're struggling with and listen we we should memorize verses that are specific to our struggles jesus comes back at satan with verses that were directly connected to satan's temptation so, for example, I, I named some struggles off a minute ago, but let's just say another struggle. Let's you're, say your struggle is fear and worry. Well, you memorize in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. That's a great verse to memorize. I'm not so sure it's going to help you with what you're dealing with. It, but, so you might want to start with 1 Timothy 1-7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. We, 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 we better be watching for temptation because it's going to come, y'all, and it's going to come where we're weak. Another thing that the Bible teaches us that we're to be watching for is we're to be watching for apathy. Letter C, watch for apathy. You know, and, and apathy just means that you, you just basically don't care. You're, you're not concerned, and, and that's exactly what had happened to the church at Sardis in Revelation chapter 3. Revelation 3 and verse 2, it tells them, it says, you got to be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how, that, how thou hast received and heard, and hold fast and repent, if therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Listen, their works were not pleasing and they were not perfect before God and they'd grown apathetic to their sin and they needed to repent and they needed to watch. 
but, but they'd been sinning and sinning, and they'd gotten used to that thing to the point where they were just kind of not too concerned with it anymore. You ever go to the doctor or the dentist and get the, get the good old laughing gas? You know, what I'm, you know, they may call it something different now. I haven't, by the grace of God, I haven't had it in a long time. But, but you know what I'm talking about. The, the, the laughing gas, and, and, and what the laughing gas does is, is that you're not asleep, you just don't care anymore. <laughs> Doc, Dennis, that's the wrong tooth. <laughs> Who cares? Take it anyway. <laughs> right? You just, you, just, you, you, you just don't care anymore. But that's what happens when sin lingers around in our lives. We come apathetic to it and we just don't care anymore. And I wonder if that's what's happened to a lot of us. We let this sin linger around, and next thing we know, it's just not that big a deal to us anymore. We've been doing that all the time, and we just kind of got numb to that thing. More specifically, I, I wonder if that's what's happened to a lot of men in Christianity. Our culture and the satanic power behind it won't stop until they've turned the men into a bunch of sissies. And I'm not even talking about what you wear. I don't give a rip about all that. I'm talking about how you act. I'm talking about having a backbone. I'm talking about being passionate about our relationship with Jesus. I'm talking about leading our homes spiritually. I'm talking about being intentional about how we raise our kids. Listen, when you look at Christianity, there's a whole lot of women wearing the spiritual pants in the family while the husband practically gets drugged to church kicking and screaming. Or he goes half-heartedly to appease her. But there's a bunch of apathetic men running around that at least claim to be believers that just don't have much of a care or a passion for spiritual things. They have a care and a passion for things, just not spiritual things. And I wonder if a lot of us men haven't allowed so much unrepentant sin in our lives that over the years we've just kind of become lethargic. And we just can't get ourselves to get it in gear spiritually. And it's high time for us to watch and deal with our sins so that we snap out of being lethargic and apathetic about everything. And I think God wants to say to us what he said in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. And he says, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. In other words, we need to, to watch, stand fast in the faith, act like men, and be strong. That's what this verse says. It's time to snap out of it, fellas. We got to quit being so apathetic and follow the Lord like we've been called to follow the Lord. Lead our homes like we've been called to lead our homes and raise our kids the way we've been called to raise our kids. That's great that there are so many spiritual women out there. Praise the Lord, women and wives. Praise the Lord for them, man. We desperately need that too, God knows. But there's a reason that in this verse, God calls out the men. He calls out the men and he tells the men, you guys need to watch, men. And evidently, we have, or maybe even more prone to being apathetic. And then next, as we study the concept of watching through the Bible, we see that we're to letter D, we're to watch for false teachers. We're to watch for false teachers. Second Timothy Chapter 4, verses 2 through 5, it says, Preach the word, 
Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So in light of the false doctrine that will come, what should we do in verse 5? But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. Especially in the last days, we're to be watching for the false teachers. We, we can't fall asleep or we won't even realize it. We got to watch for false teachers. And y'all, there's really only one way to watch for them. Because if you don't know and study the Word of God for yourself, how in the world would you ever recognize a false teacher? 2 Timothy 2.15, it teaches us that we're to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the work of truth. And, and there's a ton to glean from this verse, and we won't look at all there is to glean. But one of the things is, we've been called to study, Another is, as we've been called to work, I know those are cuss words right now, but we've been called to study, we've been called to work, because if we don't, we're going to be ashamed. We don't have to be ashamed, though, if we study like a workman. And that's the only way that as we watch, we'll ever be able to truly decipher who the false teachers actually are out there. And, and, and these false teachers, I'm not talking about Buddha, talking about Buddha and Allah, I'm, they're talking about Jesus. That's the false teachers that I'm talking about. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 4, it, it, it talks about another Jesus that they're going to be preaching about. We, we better watch and make sure that Jesus being preached wherever we are is the Jesus of the Bible. Corey said this as recently as this past Wednesday. Don't believe a word we say up here. Be a workman and go back and study and see what I've told you this morning. Tell, see if it's true. See if in the word of God, if everything that I've said this morning is true. N next, letter E, we're to, we're to watch in prayer. We're to watch in prayer. Luke chapter 21 and verse 36. It says to watch ye therefore and pray always. Listen, we, 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 we got to grow past as we pray, we got to go grow past the now I lay me down to sleep prayers. We got to grow past the thank you for the bread and meat, let's eat prayers. We we got to get serious about our prayer life. We're 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 free to make our petitions made known unto God and and when Christians pray, that is typically where we spend most of our time. God, please provide me this and please allow that and have your hand on me as I do this. And that's all good. But if we're watching unto prayer, then we need to be praying about the things that we've looked at too. Something like, God, I don't want my, to live my life asleep. And so as I stay on watch today, would you help me? to recognize when the devil is coming against me and trying to encourage me to fall. God, and God, as I watch, would you, would you help me recognize where I'm susceptible to temptation and, and may I see it coming so I can run in the other direction 
and prepare myself. And, and God, as I watch, I, I want to deal with any sin that's in my life that could be contributing to me being apathetic and lethargic toward what you've called me to do and to be. And, and God, as I watch, would you reveal yourself to me through your word as I study it so I can, so I can see and recognize false teachers. That's how you watch in prayer and get past the, 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 the little simple things. And, and then lastly, as we study this thing of watching through the Bible, we see that we're to letter F, watch in thanksgiving. We're to watch in thanksgiving. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 2, it talks about watching and it, and it teaches us to continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. We, we just talked about prayer, and, and this verse, of course, is connecting watching with prayer as well. But it, it gives us more detail as to how we're to pray and watch and, and not to sleep. We're to, we're to watch and pray with thanksgiving. And as I was alluding to earlier, I, I, I'm, assume, I'm, a, I'm afraid that when it comes to this thing of prayer, that prayer in modern-day Christianity has gotten so far from anything that could be recognized as a biblical prayer. And one of the reasons is because of this thing is thing of thankfulness is oftentimes never found in our prayers. And listen, I, I'm not pulling some obscure passage out of the Bible and trying to hang a point off of it. I'm not trying to make it fit around what I want to say. Thankfulness in prayer is all through the Bible. When you actually study it, you can't avoid it. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, which we're going to get to in a few weeks, it says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. When's the last time you just sat down and said, I'm not going to ask for anything, God. I just want to thank you for the million things I could thank you for. That's pretty heavy. We all say, I want the will of God for my life, right? We always say that. Well, here's his will. Well, I'll be doggone. There it is. His, his will is, is that in everything we give thanks. The will of God is that in everything we give thanks, the good, the bad, the ugly. We give thanks when we win, and we give thanks when we lose. That's God's will. Ephesians 5.20, it ups the ante on us, and it says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So not only are we to be thankful for all things, we're to give thanks always. Man, God's not playing around with this thing. Philippians 4, 6, it says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And we know that verse well, and I think when we quote it, it's almost like we just cut that with thanksgiving part out of it because we don't even remember it was there. All we know is, is he told us we can make prayer and supplication and ask for what we want, and doggone it, that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> but in the midst of God telling us to make our requests made known unto him, did you notice he's got a request of his own in there? God says, bring it all before me. I want to hear. I, I want to hear your requests. But my request is, is that when you do that, you do it with thanksgiving. Watch and pray, but do it with thanksgiving. You see, when we're expressing our thankfulness to God and we're acknowledging our many 
countless blessings, it starts to put everything in perspective. Listen, as we're watching because Satan's coming for us and because temptation's at the door and because we're prone to apathy and because we're keeping our eyes out so that we're not deceived by false teachers, it can get a little stressful and maybe a little depressing. It's like good grief. Can I be watching for something good, please? Like why, why, why do we got to be looking for all the bad stuff? And God's saying when you watch with thanksgiving, it keeps it all in perspective because when we watch with thanksgiving, we turn our focus back to all that we have to be thankful for. And when we do that, it, it turns our focus to things like who God is and his promises to us. Last week, we talked about the fact that our God is a God that will never leave us or forsake us. No matter how crazy it gets, we thank God because we have a promise that we'll never be alone. And when we watch with thanksgiving, it turns our focus to our salvation. Despite all the craziness that we're watching for, we come before God and thank him for the price he paid for our sins. That despite how often we've willfully chosen sin, by his grace he forgives us and that puts everything back in perspective. And despite all the craziness that we're watching for, we come before God and we thank him for the fact that he's coming again. And guess what? He's taking us with him. <laughs> we thank him that we have hope in death. We thank him for eternal life. And you see, when we watch with thankfulness, we can watch without fear. We can watch without getting depressed because we're focusing on the bigger picture as we express all that we have to be thankful for before God. So how are we doing with all that? Anybody sleeping? Is there anybody here that's not been watching? Man, I want to encourage you. Don't hit snooze as you walk out of here this morning. Deal with whatever it is that God is revealing to you this morning. Father, we, we love you and we thank you for your word and I thank you for this church and for this group of people that loves you. And God, I'm just praying that for those of us who are, are under the conviction of your Holy Spirit and they realize this morning, holy smokes, I've been sleeping through this thing. God, would you, would you help us to deal with that right now? Would you help us to not just go on, God, and, 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 and hit snooze on the way out of here? Would you help us, Lord? to be alerted to the changes that you're, you're calling us to make in our lives. And would you help us to watch, stay on guard, God? The time is late. It's, a, it's late in the night, God. And in the midst of that darkness, would you help us to, to not fall asleep? And would you help us to stay on watch? We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.